Welcome to Run It Again, Episode 5. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Coming up, is the clock running out to begin the college football season? Pro sports facilities starting to reopen? And is there a need for another NFL rule change? Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Get ready for the Run It Again podcast. Huddle up, huddle up. Every week, you'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind with unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on earth, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz. I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it. We'll connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on. The biggest issue is, and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family either. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. With conversations and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's Run It Again. Hey, uh, so you'll love this one, Mike. I had to go on a little business trip last week. Actually, had to get on a plane, and uh, you know, I know that's that's a risky proposition these days for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I couldn't resist the forty nine dollar each way Southwest Airlines fare from here to Phoenix. So I I had to jump on it because I've taken that drive a couple times. I know you have as well, and that's uh, that's not the funnest drive in the world. But so I and, and being the cheap person that I am monetarily, I will, uh, I will take a deal whenever I can get it. So I, I shoot on over, take care of my business, come back. Babette meets me at the door uh, with her mask on and a mask in her hand. And she Whoa. says, dinner's in the oven. And I've, I've prepared the guest room upstairs for you. <laughs> I'm like, what, what are you saying? Um, <laughs> she says, your ass is being quarantined. No, man. I got quarantined for two days. The next day, I went out and got tested and uh, came back with a uh, with a negative test. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So that was good news. And then I was allowed to, you know, live normally in my house again after that. But yeah, it was two days of, of uh, serious jail time around here. Well, actually, I had talked to Babette shortly after that. Oh, to you. Yeah. you knew all of this. A little bit, oh. a little bit, but the term she was using was high maintenance, whiny. Uh, I don't know. I won't go any further than that. But she was not. She was not kind to you. No, she just was not kind. No, no. I knew there was a problem when uh, 
when the door flung open and I didn't even reach for the handle yet. So, oh boy, yeah, for a guy that get... that can only mean one or two things now. So, <laughs> so did you get your meals under the door like they do, like the old days in yeah, prison? You know, pretty much. I I had forgotten my toothbrush back in our, our master bedroom and went in to go get it, man, and everything was barred and locked down and. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get in the room. The dogs were in the room. They were sleeping she, comfortably. So when she opened the door, did she spray you down? Yeah, there was a bottle of uh, a can yeah. of Lysol. Disinfectant, yeah. Yeah, disinfectant. Yeah. Right, right. And I just kind of, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I didn't belong. I just, I felt like a, the another. Well, now you know how I feel. Julie sprays me down every day. <laughs> Regardless of, of whether you Regardless, have anything or not. Yeah, yeah. Just in case some bugs are crawling or something. Oh, you know. man. Well, anyways. Oh, um, boy. So, college football. And I did you hear what the, this uh, president at the University of Michigan said? This is uh, Mr. Or I should say Dr. Mark Schlissel, Schlissel. And he came out this week and he said, quote, the Wolverines will set out the college football season if the Ann Arbor campus remains closed to students. If there is, quote, no on-campus instruction, then there will be, there won't be intercollegiate athletics. Let me say that last part again. That's, that's key. If there is no on-campus instruction, then there won't be intercollegiate athletics. End of quote. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. Because I guess the rest of that conference is coming back, right? I mean, Illinois, I think, is they've got players on campus now, to my knowledge. So that's a big one. You know, and that's, of course, football in Michigan is kind of big. So, but yeah. the endowments, like you say, are so big there. Uh, and he's a, an immunologist. That's he, exactly you know. right. He's a trained immunologist. Yeah. And so he's, uh, you know, he, he's pumping his chest a little bit here, and right, rightfully so. He's, he's speaking from another discipline. But now this is this sets up yet more drama in what is already a drama-filled environment the last two months because the way I see it, the SEC, the Big 12, they're all screaming, we're going, we're going, we're going. No hesitation there. Even the school's presidents have come out and said, hey, yes, we're, we're ready to go full speed. Let's do it. Fans in the stands or not, we're playing football. Right. ACC, Big 10, there's some hesitation, and here's a good example of that hesitation. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, even though Governor Gavin Newsom has said uh, pro sports can start back in their facilities, uh, nothing is absolute cut clear as far as colleges and college sports into the fall. So the Pac-12 is in limbo the way I see it. But now this, is it possible that Michigan, the rest of the Pac or a Big Ten could say, okay, Michigan, you take yourselves over here to the corner and you sit out and do what you have to do. We're going to play without you. Well, you know, as you know, what's been in the news is Michigan right now and Detroit, that whole area there is just a different dilemma. Right. And the politics of it would say that this is, I mean, and politics are part of it at this point as well. So, yeah. It's hard to understand. I guess he's an immunologist, so obviously he's got a different perspective on it. But, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine the pressure from that statement that he'll get now from, you know, fans, of course, Wolverine fans and and the coaching staff. And, you know, it's to justify it. And, 
you know, I know Illinois right now, they've got students on campus. Uh, it's just a different, it's a different environment for everybody. You know, every state's got their own issues. So yeah. it's hard to imagine Michigan not playing football. I suppose that could happen, but you know, and then, you know, it's all predicated on these kids coming back or not. And it's hard at this point to project out several months ahead where this whole thing will be, whether it spikes back up again or flattens out or starts to diminish. So, uh-huh. you know, in some respects, I get what he's saying. He's kind of hedging it, his bet a little bit just to see where everything's is. And it's a, he's responsible for the lives of these kids too. So yeah, that's right. I get yeah, it. That's right. I get it. And God bless him if he's got the strength to hang on to it, if that's what he thinks is the right thing to do. But uh, I tell you what, there'll be a lot of pushback on that one from Michigan people. Oh, you're absolutely right. And you were referencing there the state and the politics of it all. The state of Michigan's stay-at-home order has been extended through June 12th, and the university has not announced the potential reopening data, obviously, you know, Dr. Schlissel's comments here. But can you imagine the big house? We're talking 100 thousand plus empty and not only empty there's no football being played at all i that that would be a first for my lifetime yeah that's hard to fathom because they can easily do it i mean you know with all the sports actually you just have to keep them in a bubble and you have to test them constantly i mean there's a plan there's a way to do it it's just why they wouldn't do that because the students are not because they're online as opposed to being in a classroom that escapes me. I don't get that. Yeah. You know, uh, does that mean that uh, these students too, or the fees are going to be lessened if they would be in the classroom? Well, that's what I've asked. As a parent of two college kids who are taking their classes and f- finishing up their classes, you know, for this quarter, this semester. But now, if I'm if I'm taking online classes, do I get that reduction in my tuition to reflect that? It, it's you can do a lot online. We know that, obviously, but it's not the same. I don't have access to the libraries. I don't have access to the research uh, resources. I don't have access to the student center. Uh, there, there are you're not. There isn't a dormitory situation. Uh, the kids can't work out in the gym, and, and and that's pretty worldwide, nationwide right now. So there's a lot of other questions that go along with that. Well, and two, are the labs going to be open? I know some of the universities, the labs, yeah, Fresno State, for instance, the Ag School, they they have, you know, the labs for the grad for the kids that are in their major now to come in. They have to do them, you know. Now they, I don't know how they've done it or how they've set it up, but there'll be lab classes that some of these seniors have got to have to graduate. And how do you do that? You know, if you're a physiology person or whatever the case may be, you know, where you have to be in there and have hands on. What do you do? You know, microbiology or whatever it is, you know, so uh, pretty hard to do that online. So that's a big step to shut the school down and say another semester you're going to go to, you know, online education. But and then the argument, okay, I get that. They're still students, right? I mean, they are still students. So what's the difference between online student and on-campus student in terms of athletics why is why are they still why are they now all of a sudden not a student is it just a nanner 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 deal well if they can't uh be on campus then you can't be on campus and you're not on campus you can't play sports then because you're not on campus because nobody can be on campus you know that that's a pretty weak argument um i don't know why they wouldn't let them play 
you know, just because they're online. I, I still, and I know the NC2A came out and said that. The president came out and said the same thing a few weeks ago. I don't understand that. Okay, so Mike, you bring up a great point about lab work, okay, on-campus lab instructions and classes. So if I go back to this quote one more time, if there is no on-campus instruction, then there won't be intercollegiate athletics, end of quote, Dr. Mark Schlissel. So define on-campus instruction. That could just about mean anything, as you, I think you're alluding to there. Yeah, now there's been exceptions throughout the country in these universities for this lab work. I know that. Yeah, you know they're right. you know piecemealing people in there to get their work done. So and right. I get that. I, and again, this isn't a, one of those you know deals where what they can do. We you know no. It just I still don't understand why the, the intercollegiate athletics cannot continue if these students are online as opposed to being on campus. I, there's still I don't understand the reasoning behind it. And no one no one's been explained it out there either. You know they just say well this is simply the way it's going to be. You know the president. NC2A says that. Now here you go. The you know the president of University of Michigan says the same thing. So yeah, but why? Yeah, I, is, I don't is that why. Mike? Is that a, a the school's attempt to more or less deflect um, criticism from the student the students saying that the the, the athletes and I know we've talked about this are getting preferential, preferential treatment of some treatment, some sure. type. I think that's what it is. I think this is their way of saying, okay, we're not going to make special concessions you know, in a very health critical time like this just so we can play, quote unquote, football. But we also know there's another component to just playing football. It's that money that that football program is bringing in for everything else in the school. Well, but the endowments, you know, aren't necessarily directly related to football. Although, uh, like I told you before, when we when we won beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl, the day we got back, uh, somebody mentioned to me, well, somebody just gave a nine million dollar endowment that was a biology person of yeah. some sort that made yeah. a bunch of money inventing something. I don't know what it was, but because the team won, now obviously he wasn't a an athlete or involved in sports, but he was proud of that school. Well, it's the same kind of thing with Michigan, but they've got a whole bunch of them. So their endowments are so substantial and big that uh, they figure they can weather that, I suppose. But nonetheless, people will be those people that do write those checks and give those endowments. You know, they, they do have that emotional attachment to, you know, Wolverine football, et cetera. So, and that's what they have to rely on, I guess, but I don't, you know, I, I'm still kind of curious about the backlash on this, and just yeah. you know, I you know, I'd like to get some papers and and maybe some of the comments locally there and, and look at it because it, it was very surprising that he came out and said that. Now maybe he'll back off and allow students on campus. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's definitely made his stance clear, so we we all understand that he's he's uh, he's achieved that. Uh, head coach Jim Harbaugh has come out and said he doesn't care. Who's in the stands? What the situation is as far as fans? No fans. He he's just ready to play football. Right. But now, if you're a, from a coaching standpoint, this is all gut wrenching, obviously, and and everyone wants to play. But we're 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 doing the right thing. I mean, and the right thing is is everyone's safety. I, I joke about coming home and being quarantined and all that. But in the big picture of things, my wife did the absolute right thing, and I wasn't going to be 
you know, closer than six feet to her or anyone else in the house until I was tested. So, you know, we, we all understand, you know, what we're looking at here in a, in a bigger scope of things. No question. But, but, but now what happens, Mike, if there's a domino effect? What happens if, like, well, you, you said, okay, now Illinois, they've got kids on campus. But what if someone does, let's say Northwestern says, you know what? We kind of think that Michigan's going down the right path on this and we're going to follow suit. All of a sudden, the Big Ten could have a problem. If the Big Ten has a problem, it, other conferences that play the Big Ten could have problems. And before you know it, you've got a, a, a nationwide problem. Well, it will be an abbreviated schedule for a lot of the schools. And I think you go yeah. back and look at World War II, you know, there were there was a lot of abbreviated um, schedules in football and college football, you know, during the war. So mm. people will play and then some people are going to opt out like Michigan. The fact that it's Michigan is, is shocking as opposed to Utah state. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's because it's who they are. You think about Michigan, you think about football. So that's what gets everybody's attention. I get what he's doing. I do understand that. And I think he does have the well being of these kids uh, at, at heart, but, you know, if effectively you can house and train um, these athletes and let them play without fear of exposing them to the virus in an empty stadium, like a lot of people do, then why wouldn't you, whether it's basketball, football, or cross country, whatever the sport may be, instead of just canceling them, you know, right. waving a wand and say, we're just not doing it. You know, I don't, I'm yeah. not sure I follow that logic. I guess, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't do it other than what you said, you know, athletes, the preferential treatment, and it's the University of Michigan who likes to think of themselves academically the pinnacle of. That's right. You know, yes. You know, always have. Yeah. Always have. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you've heard about them, right? So, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I, this is to me is I, for some reason I could see, well, maybe not Bo Schimbeckler because Bo would be like, damn it, we're playing football or I'll take a flamethrower to this place <laughs> that would be Bo's stance Bo would take yeah. the team you know up up somewhere north of Lake Superior and play the yeah. games but that is that is you know the the mindset of Michigan that's like a Harvard of the Midwest so to speak and, and yeah that's that's very real let's take a closer look now, we bounce over Mike over to 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 pro sports. Okay. So it seems like MLB and NBA, NHL, NFL, everybody is shooting to kind of get going again and are getting going again. Uh, June is kind of the restart month. That's, that's what it's feeling like. The NBA has talked about going to the Disney facility in Orlando and, and finishing a regular season, uh, either with with starting the playoffs right now or a real quick finish to the regular season, then going on into the playoffs uh, and maybe doing it with 16 teams. Uh, that's what's one option there for them. And MLB is uh, in negotiation. They're talking about starting July 4th and an 82-game season. And they've still got to work out that whole thing with with the revenue and how they're going to get paid. And that that's that's tricky in its own right. NHL starting training camp in June. Uh, small groups. They've talked about small group training being okayed. And the NFL, I've noticed, they, they've kind of turned up their, their horn a little bit. Now, uh, Troy Vincent with the NFL just came out and said that the, they expect to have full stadiums. So all of a sudden, three weeks ago, it was, well, you know, we're, we're planning on playing 
Definitely. Now it's not only are we planning on playing, we're planning on playing in front of full stadiums. Now, how does that one work? Well, I think you have to do that. I mean, you have to plan on a, a regular season. Is that an, is is that, that an endorsement thing? I mean, no, cutting I down think, to it? no, I just think that's what you have to do and then have your contingency plan. I don't think you can start with a contingency plan and then all of a sudden, well, it looks like we can play, you know, and go back and, you know, yeah. and do it all of you. I think you have to start with that. And then, you know, whether it's the end of August or whatever, you know, as this transpires and we have a better feel for where the virus is going and, and how much control we've gotten over it, whether it's flattened or decelerated or whatever the case may be, then make a more educated decision about that stuff. But I think that's the way to do it and then back off of it. I think it'd be very, very difficult to get into late August with a contingency plan in, in place and say, oh, you know what? The numbers are looking really good. We can actually have a season. Then they're scrambling around trying to get it done, you know? Yeah. So I think yeah. this is the best way of doing it. I do think talking to some of the people in the league that they want in terms of training camp and whatnot, the structure of it, they're going to try to leave this up to individual clubs because of the location. For instance, Green Bay as opposed to L.A. Rams, et cetera. The, you know, it's a different environment. You know, they have yeah. different – uh, laws or uh, uh, restrictions, rather not laws, but restrictions in place locally that they've got to adhere to. So uh, I think instead of making a blanket statement, okay, here's training camp and here's how it's going to go off, this, that, and the other thing, they're really kind of the scheduling part of it and how it gets done. They're kind of leaving it up to the teams, at least right now. Now, maybe, maybe they'll clamp that down a little bit tighter later, but you know, it's still a ways away. You know, I know it's, it seems like it's right around the corner, but you're looking at you know, June, July, August, three months before that, the first game, a lot of things can happen. Look at the last three months, three months ago, where were we, right? So right. anything yeah. can happen in the next three months. And I think you have to assume that you can go ahead, but prepare like crazy for that contingency plan so you can put it in place. Otherwise, it'd be chaos if you did it the other way around. Would this drive you crazy a little bit if you were still coaching? You know, not me. Because uh, I don't, you know, I just – as long as we're playing, you know, and I know yeah. we're playing, whether there's anybody in the stands or not, I, I, you know, just it wouldn't be that big a deal to me, to be honest with you. But um, I just love the game. And, you know, if you've coached at the University of Pacific, then you don't care who's in the stands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've coached junior college football here in California and, and you can look up and you can see your wife and your kids or you know, yeah. your relatives in the stands and they're the only ones there, you, then, you know. You know, I, I just love the game, and, and you know it's going to be out there on television anyway. So yeah. the only reason I think in the NFL to have people in the stands is obviously chasing the dollar. And yeah. Is it worth the risk? And it's a $5.5 billion loss, I guess, from what I was reading in terms of, you know, revenue generated by people in the seats that, you know, $70 million, I guess, uh, per team or something to that effect. So anyway, I you know, but the food industry is taking a huge hit. You know, but they're doing the right thing. So, it's, yeah, you know, it's, that's a lot of money. Let's be honest. But Good, yeah. you guys still do the right thing and, and be careful about trying to get some of it back, you know, and chase that dollar. But right, yeah, you know, how much would that affect the league? I don't know. I really don't know. But you have to do what's right. I do know that. Yeah. And now how would this affect – and maybe I don't know if you know it, but how would this affect fans in terms of tickets and season ticket sales? Let's say that they're not, they're only allowed to have 20,000, 25,000 at, at, at an event. So, how does a team or even a school figure that one out? Well, just kind of glancing through some of the stuff, of course, Miami's got a, a, a deal in place now, but 
know, just buying a ticket, think about that. It's got to be all electronically done, right? Well, you're right. Yeah. And so you can't, you know, think Which about it. shouldn't stuff. be hard because we're kind of set up like that as, an, as yes. a, a culture but just anyway. think about send, if you're going to do single game tickets, there's going to be a line at the stadium that goes out, you know, six feet apart or, you know, you think Home Depot is bad. Think about that. Trying to get a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a one game ticket. So, and they'll, they'll be priced outrageous. You know that. So yeah, it could be a lottery. I heard a lottery. And then, and then also a give all the money back to everybody. And then, a one season only kind of ticket holder kind of a deal. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's different ways to do it, but that's a nightmare that it will be a yeah. nightmare. And then those tickets will be off the charts expensive. So yeah, they'll try to recapture as much as possible. Then the other part of the revenue is, you know, a lot of the ads and stuff like the airlines, these teams have got these deals with the airlines where they give them, you know, certain money for seeing American airlines up there. And, you know, that mm-hmm. goes away. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many ripple effect issues in terms of revenue by not having people in the stands with the, all the advertising. Uh, that hurts them a great deal. And then the other thing that I read uh, recently that they can do is, you know, that there's a rule in the league, I guess it was at 40 or 60 feet above the field. You cannot have any advertising. Okay, right, right, right. So they're okay. thinking about, oh, if there's nobody in the stands, then they can have banners in the stands like Hertz Rent-A-Car or whatever, you know, that yeah. while you're filming the game, it glances through their, you know, a.k.a. the, the soccer teams over in, in Europe. Whatnot. Yeah, that's so right. That's right. I know what you're talking about. That's a way of recapturing it, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a big hit. You know, it's going to you're going to take a huge hit on this deal. And so hopefully, hopefully things will be settled enough that they can resume. And then you just back off of that. But doing a partial fill in the stadium to me is a nightmare. I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, yeah. And now you're talking about that uh, one possibility with the advertising, more advertising room and, and all of that. And that that is possible. But I, I've got to believe some advertisers don't want to be associated with a half full stadium or not even a, a, a quarter of a full stadium. Some Some might look at that as, ah, that's not what we want to associate our product with. Well, I think that you don't do that if, it, if there were no, nobody in the stands, right? So if it's an yeah. empty stadium, then, but here, think about this, Oran, those people that will be in those seats are going to be home watching it, right? So you've got a captive audience. So now they've got a great opportunity to get their product logo or their name out there in these stands and have the cameras scan through it every time there's a long pass or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're running all that stuff. Or they're trying to come up with all kinds of different ways of replacing that revenue as, as best they can. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and they and will be creative, you know, and that's yep. what they're working on now for sure. You know, they're trying to retain what they have. Yeah. And not worry so much about, you know, the gaining you're trying to replace some of the like the we're talking about american airlines for instance that those are the things they've got to they got to stop the bleeding there because they can control some of that but you know if you don't have people in the stands you've got to figure out a way of of you know putting a band-aid on that somehow that's right well hertz needs all the help they can get right now they just filed for chapter 11 so they i'm sure they're open to a lot of ideas to to start making money again it, from a player's standpoint, this this kind of also feels, this COVID-19 thing, what we've gone through the last few months, I think the strike was was somewhat like this in a sense as, you know, for a player. I, I remember the strike of 87, and that was the first time I'd ever been through anything like that. That was my third year in the league. I was up in Buffalo, 
And here we were standing outside of the facility, you know, during a, a regular season, what would be quote unquote, a, a Tuesday on a work week. And we're picketing our own facility. And that was different. And it was, it was different when it came time to put the picket signs down and then go find a high school somewhere or a regular gym to start, you know, just to keep training and keep your running up, keep your, your all that stuff up. And it was a very it was a very disconnected feeling. It wasn't a good feeling. It was a feeling that you wanted it to all end as soon as possible. And I've got two boys around here that, okay, they're doing the classes online and, you know, they're doing their own workouts and we're, we're, it's helped us, I guess, as a family, because I get to work out with them in the garage sometimes, which hell, I, I haven't done that since they were little guys. But they're chomping at the bit, Mike. They're, they're, they're starting to get antsy and edgy. And I, I remember what that feeling used to be like. And I'm, I've been talking to my wife about it. I said, you, you got to understand now, right about now, they've just finished, you know, in some schools, they've just finished spring ball. And uh, they're going to finish finals and then kind of start their off-season workout program. But the whole world, everything is telling them, wait, we're not sure what's going to happen. And as an athlete, that's tough. You don't ever want to be in between like that. You want to know what's going on. It's almost like your body's ready to go and your mind's ready to go, but you can't go. And I think that's an argument for the NFL's approach to, hey, business as usual kind of thing, to yeah. to avoid some of that you know, with the players, et cetera. So, uh, but that disconnect that you had, did you have any kind of uh, communication with those coaches at the time or were they allowed to, <laughs> to talk to you even, or, you know, well, cause now I, you can, right. I mean, so they've got communication with their coaches and whatnot. So no, back then we, we officially weren't supposed to, but my situation was different. I was living at home and dad was coaching on the team and, you know, in between, uh, you know, bites at dinner time, he might say a little something here and there about, uh, you know, this and whatever. I can't remember what it was, but that was the communication. But outside of that, Mike, there was no communication. Right. No, to answer your question, no. So you're isolated. It was us yeah. against them. Yeah, you're isolated. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. on purpose. And here, yeah, at least the coaches, you know, they can. The communication lines are open, but they just want to play, obviously. So. Yeah, no, that's good. The communication lines are, are are very open, but I think it's the same feeling. As a when you're a, when you're an athlete as a player you know you're ready to go you're you're you've been conditioned okay it's time to do this it's time to do that this is the time for something and it feels like to them it's the time for nothing and I what's well, our whole life you know at that yeah. age everything wrapped around your career as a player whether you had an NFL career or not you know what yeah. I mean so you're consumed by being an athlete at the university. Yeah. And whether it's baseball or basketball or football. And when you don't know if you're going to have a season, it's, it's kind of my, it's like being a football player at UCSB and having football dropped. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. 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 Go gotchas. So it's yeah, it's uh it's, it's tough for him. And I feel for him and I can't do anything about it, I guess is what I'm saying. So no, you can't, you know, yeah. and hopefully, you know, they're going to play one way or the other, you know, and, and whether it's people in the stands or not. And I guess down deep inside, there's a part of me that says, who cares? You know, let's go play this game. We love the game of football. And yeah. whether anybody watches it on TV or whether anybody's in the stands, let's just go, let's go play. You know, that's how I was raised. That's how I grew up, you know. That's so, old school. That's yeah, old school yeah. 
blue collar roots football the way it should be. Well, line up, buddy. Let's go see who's best. Let's go. Well, in, until they start playing, all I can do is uh, take them up to the court and drop threes on them and horse. That's all Ouch. I can do. Ouch. <laughs> You're good on that eight foot basket. That's all I got. I say. sure you am. Get that man. shot down. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Let me know anytime you want some. You, you know, I was a credit up. card jumper. You know that, right? <laughs> you put the credit card on yeah. your vertical. I was three, I was uh, my vertical was three American Express card. <laughs> All right, coach, we're going to take a quick pause. But when we return, is there a need for yet another NFL rule change? You make the call. We'll be back in a moment. Not too long ago, there were people who never dreamed they would need help feeding their families. But then the pandemic hit, and their income suddenly stopped, leaving them with no means to buy food. These are people you know, your neighbors, but you can help. If you donate just $1, you can provide at least 10 meals for these people through the Feeding America network of food banks. Imagine what $10 would do, or even $20. Please donate today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Martz. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Be sure and join us every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. Make the call. Uh, this NFL onside kick proposal, I, I, I'm sure you – have you had a chance to, to look through that? Well, you know, I, I did coach in the AAF there, and that was a yeah. rule for us. Yeah. It was 4th and 12 as opposed to being 4th and 15, but I think it's an okay. excellent rule. And I would, I would hope that the league adopts it. I would suspect that they won't because it's such a radical change for them. But I think there's a couple of things here that are really important. I said, first of all, it reduces the chance of injury. You know, I used to cringe. I'd sit there when we're onside kicking. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they're kicking to us, right? Well, look who's on that front line. I look up and I see Marshall. I see Isaac. I see Tori. Then I look on the other side and I see these linebackers and safeties, right? That's not right. 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 It's not a good deal, right? And they got to stand there and take it. So they're looking at the ball and they're getting earholed by oh. these guys. It's brutal. And people don't oh. know that. They think what happens on an onside kick is they kick the ball and everybody runs to the ball. Well, that's not the style works. No, no, you know, no. special teams coaches, you're, you know, each guy's assigned to one of those guys across from you, and your job is to go take him out so that you have a stinger go down and recover the onside kick. Not everybody's running down to get the ball. You know, there's – of the 11 guys there, the kicker plus 10, of those 10, you got basically nine guys that are trying to take somebody out so the other guys can get the ball. So that's where the injuries come in. Yeah. That's where the injuries come in, and, and that's a frightening deal. So you, you get a you get Isaac moving over towards the ball and say Ozakim falls on, and then he gets ear hold and his shoulder, you know, it just Oh no, no, no. It's that's just right. not good. And then the, of course the and then the chances were like ten percent anyway, somewhere between ten and fifteen percent that you're gonna get it. Now it was up higher like twenty percent at one point, but and we did enough of them so that we were able to get them, but um, it's a much cleaner deal. I experienced it at the AAF. We had a preseason game where we ended up 
in a situation. They they had hoped that it would come up, and it came out. We did two of them, and we we converted one of the two, and and was a yard short on the other one. So, yeah, it's fun, you know. And you practice it as part of your third downs. That's all. You just part of your third down is you practice it. And then the idea of this is it's a fourth and fifteen. It is not like a two point attempt. So. If the play's dead, the ball, wherever the ball is, that's where they get the ball. So, in other words, if there's a fumble and the ball goes back to the 10-yard line, they'll get it on the 10-yard line. If you throw a pick and they run it back, it's a touchdown. So, it's a fourth and 15. It's not it's a play. an extra it's, play. It's, it's a it's, regular it's football a, play. Right. All rules apply to it, and I think it's great. I think, it, I think it would make the game better. I think it makes it safer. I think it's more fun. And you have more of a chance of converting it then, too. Right, right. And that now that ball will start – on the 25-yard line, your 25-yard line, right. you'll be backed right. up to your 25. So if you if you miss, like you say, well, they're going to get the ball right there. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, people so, say, well, that's terrible. You only get on 20. Well, if you don't well, say no. kick, you don't get it. No, that's <laughs> the, 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 no, no, no. That's fair. That's the that's the alternative and the penalty for missing it because right. the reward is pretty big too. And 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 if the league believes what they say about concussions. All right. Then they had to put this and they have to put this rule. I should say have to because it's still being proposed officially. But guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes and in big offenses, man, they're going to love this. I think it's another shot to do it without uh, without without injury. Well, it'll be interesting, too, because it's not the game right now. You just don't see a lot of throws in that, uh, say, uh 10 to 20 yard span. It's always under 12 yards or it's a real deep ball. You don't see many throws in that zone, right? So they have to create something like that and, and be a little bit more cognizant of that. And then the other thing is on fourth and 15, are you going to come after him or are you, are you going to lay off like it's a, oh, you know, yeah. like a two minute deal and just line up at 15 yards and just not let that ball get past you? How are you going to do that? You know, so it'll be interesting. It, it'll really be kind of interesting. I, I, I hope they take a look at it. I'd like to see them at least do it in preseason, you know, yeah. and whether it even comes up, who knows. But um, the other thing I would like it to see them do, and I know this is outrageous, but I'd like to see them take the kickoff out completely like we did in the AAF and just start the ball off in the 25. I, I agree. I, I agree 100%. That's where, that's where 60% of our injuries came Yeah, on kickoff and kickoff returns. Yeah, Brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. The collisions are horrendous. Yeah, yeah. And, and can you believe back in the day, I'm talking in the 50s and 60s, they used to be able to cut people on oh, special teams plays, running downfield. Yeah. Man, they ruined a lot of guys' careers on that. Uh, look, so, so there's a couple other proposals as they pertain to kickoffs that, that are, are being set forth as well. Uh, but look at now, you've already named two rules there that have come out of uh, the AAF. Right. Yeah. And now how many times did you use that fourth and 15, Mike? Well, fourth we and 12 did, for you. It didn't come up during, you know, we, the season was ended short. So I think oh, we, yeah. played, we had only played seven or eight That's games right. at that point. So uh, it didn't really come up uh, at that point. So um, we didn't use it. We did it in the preseason game twice. They had, they lined us up and made us go through it twice for the exercise. Right. Of it. And it was cool. I, I liked it. I, you know, I was against it initially, and the more I looked at it, the more realistic you become about those things. And I think a lot of teams will fight it because the special teams coaches—that's part of their—that's part of their deal. You know, they're like offensive line coaches. Don't mess with my territory. You know, so it, <laughs> I think a lot of people will push back on it, but I think ultimately it makes the game better and safer. Why were you against it? 
it just because it was different, you know, it's, yeah. I'm a purist at heart, you know, in the game. <laughs> yeah, but you're also a gunslinger, and I know the way you call plays. And to give you, I wouldn't, if, as a defensive coach, I'm not so sure I'd want to give you the ball, especially if your offense is rolling with a fourth and 15 and give you another crack at me. Well, think about this, though, Ron. In the situation that you're talking about, the pass rush will be completely different than it was early in the game. Those guys are exhausted. Well, they, that's true, right? And so right. you have a better opportunity to protect the quarterback a little bit. They moved it from 12 to 15, which is a big deal. Be yeah. a lot harder. It is a lot harder. Those extra three yards are significant. And yeah. you will have birds on the fence, so to speak, where the guys just line across about two yards, you know, about the 12 yards deep, just not let anything by him. That, that whole thing will come to fruition. It'll be hard to get. And yeah. It's not going to be easy. It'll be hard to get because they just sit there. Yeah. You know, they know they're going to get the ball anyway. They just don't let the ball by him, you know. So, yeah. you know, and then if you get any kind of pressure on the quarterback. So there, there's all – there's what, what we did is we, we rolled out and enforced the zone to move. And once they started moving, creases happened, and we were able to complete the bonus mm-hmm. creases. So that's right. That's how we yeah. did it, you know. Yeah. So, but it's – I like the rule. I don't think uh, – I think it'll still be a 10 to 15% chance of, of completing it. Uh, I think it'll be difficult because it's not something either. I don't think offenses really address that much right now in the league. If it's third and fifteen, what are you going to see? You're going to see some sort of draw or screen, oh, and then they'll call right. it a day and they'll go back. Right? You know they they don't try and get that fifteen yards. They just don't do it. Yeah. Well, we were, I was talking to uh, our executive producer Roy Hamilton, who played at UCLA, UCLA and and in the NBA and. He said that was very similar to the advance the ball rule uh, in, in, in the NBA. Under two minutes, you could advance the ball and take the ball out basically at half court and yes. didn't have to fight the press. Right. And that was an attempt, obviously, to uh, create uh, more drama, more uh, exciting finishes, more scoring, whatever you want to say. But I, I think they wanted to enhance the finish at the end of the game. And I think this, this it also kind of does the same thing. So this will, it does. Be I agree. Absolutely. Now what the, the net effect of it, will it actually give you a better chance? Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see on that. There's more there. Well, before we go, I got to ask you about this Dak Prescott contract. So Mr. Dak has, uh, he's been offered the franchise tag which for those of you who don't know, the franchise tag will basically, in a nutshell, give that player the the average of the top three at his position for one year and one year only, okay? Or you have the option to do a long-term deal, and uh, the Cowboys are now sitting with Dak Prescott. He's been offered the franchise. Uh, Nothing's been signed yet. There's rumors that he's been offered – a 170 plus approximate million dollar deal for five years. None of this has been officially substantiated yet. They're, they're going back and forth. This insider says, no, that's not on this other insider says, no, this is what happened. So the bottom line is Mike, w- w- what do you think is going to happen there? And is that seems like a lot of money for a guy that hasn't won one for you yet, but, if he's your Are guy, you sh- he's your guy. Number 170 million. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. What was the number he turned down? They're talking uh, 35 million a year, roughly, for five well, years. Isaac Bruce had a great quote. He said, How much is enough? A guy's <laughs> just got to figure out how much is enough, right? 
I don't know. Right. I, I don't know what to say about that. I'm dumbfounded. If they've offered Zach Dak that and and he's not taking it, I'd I'm I'd be stunned. Well, that's I, I what I'm imagine. saying. I'm, what 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 do you need? And then I, I, in all fairness, I I don't know the. Uh, the the parameters of the contract, you know, there's always a language uh, discussion and, and and things toward the end of the contract and out outs and out clauses and guaranteed monies and all of that. So there are other elements in there, but my gosh, there can't be too many other elements at 171 million for five years during a pandemic. Well, the the only thing I yeah, it's, it looks bad, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the only thing I would say is the terms of the contract. How much of it is real money? So in other words, if it's backloaded and after that's three what I years exactly. they can release him and he's not going to yeah. get it. And my big deal is is how much of, of the signing bonus would he get? And that to me that is the the heart and soul of contract. You know what are they going to give him as a signing bonus? And then they amortize that out through his five years and what is base salary and then likely to be earned. You know that's that may be a big part of it too. So agents will will throw that those numbers out there where some of that money he's just not going to see it. You right. know, the likely burn right. stuff it, and unlikely and all that kind of stuff, uh, those numbers figure in as well. So it's hard to know uh, what the real numbers are that he'd be looking at. But either way you look at it, I, I want to know what the signing bonus is. That's first and foremost. What's he turned down in terms of a signing yeah, bonus? Yeah, right, right. And if it's, you know, that's substantial, then does he deserve that kind of money? Well, I'm a big fan of his to begin with. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. Like you said, he hasn't he hasn't won anything yet, really. So, uh, but I think he's that kind of a player. I think he's absolutely one of the top three, probably in the league, um, in my book, anyway. Because I was down there, spent some time with him, and got to know him and watch him practice. And yeah, he's yeah. a very special player. Yeah. So while we're here, you've got okay. The Rams are a different team this this year. They're going to be different. They're going to have to prove that they can still play at a certain level with some of the guys they've lost. Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay, and I'm talking NFC only here. Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay. The Giants, we don't know what we're going to get from the Giants. We don't know what we're going to get from anybody else in, in the NFC East. It feels like, uh, and, and, and let me say the Saints, You know, it, it, the talk is Drew Brees. Is, is this Drew Brees last year? Is his arm done? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then there's Russell Wilson in Seattle. The, it feels like the Cowboys are loaded up and ready to go. They've got, no what they, they, they've got a coach now. They've got a guy, if, if Jerry Jones leaves him alone, can probably get it done. You've got weapons. You've got a runner. You've got a receiver. You've got a quarterback. You've got pass rushers. You've got defense. You've got your 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 your, your coaches. You've got things around everyone. So it feels like this is their time. And is this is is this what's being reflected on this contract? Could be. I, I just, Ron. I really believe that the Cowboys are not sure about this guy completely. They're not completely in love they got the engagement ring but they they're holding the wedding band they're not sure yet you know whether he's the guy so i'm not sure about the numbers everything is out there and but nobody really knows other than the agent and and then you don't know what he's being told by his agent too um I, but to your question last year we kind of thought it was their year too the problem was last year their corners killed them 
their corners killed them, giving up, yeah. you know, third and tens, third and fifteens, you know, all the pass interference, and they couldn't stop them in the red zone. And yeah. then their special teams play, they had two areas where they were horrendous, and yeah. it cost them. If they can clean that up, there's no question. But you're right about the NFC. It's a weak conference mm. right now when you look yeah. at it on paper. Green yeah. Bay, uh, you got you make a great argument for Green Bay with their record yeah. from last year, and you think you got to think that they're going to be a good team, and like you said, Seattle. But after that, I mean, there's not a dominant team in there, and yeah. who knows? New Orleans may sneak in there and be real good again too. But nobody lines up in the NFC. Nobody's going to trot out of the locker room like that group at the Cowboys right now in the NFC. It just that's just the way it is. That's right. If they, that's if right. they can fix. And it's a huge problem at corner. I watch your corners down there. You know, they had some problems now. Yeah. If they can get that fixed. And, and the head coaching thing, who knows? I mean, you know, Mike's a proven winner, you know, Super Bowl, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's great. It's a great hire and all that. Uh, but still, you know, when you're the biggest, fastest, strongest guy in there, then you ought to win uh, most of it, I would think. And they got to do that. That's interesting. And and one team we've obviously left out is San Francisco. And the reason I left them out is because they've got to deal with that Super Bowl loss hangover. And that's very real. And then there's questions about the quarterback. Can he be the guy if the run game shuts down? So, Well, I I will tell you this, watching and, and, you know, what do I know? I'm an old fat retired guy. But when I look at them in the playoffs – they took the ball out of his hands in all the playoff games. They sure did. They took exactly. it out of his hands. They didn't that's, trust him. Yep. That's, that's the message that I got from them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of left them out of there. Now, they're a yep. really good team, obviously. But that's that's right, a, that's, that's the elephant in the room. You know, It sure is. Either, they know hey, it, too. They know it. this guy, you don't, you know. Hey, listen, John Lynch came out a few weeks before the draft and said, yeah, we had had thoughts of making a run at Tom Brady. Now, what does that say when that guy came out to San Francisco after backing up Tom Brady and you thought you had the guy? So that, that speaks volumes to me. Well, Jimmy is a good player. Yeah. He's a good, solid player. And I think they see him as that. But I, don't, I really down deep inside after watching him, I think they have reservations about whether or not he's good enough to actually win a Super Bowl with him. I think you're Now, right. there's some things, too. They need uh, some help at wide receiver, too. But still – Still, you know, that's a big, big factor. And what you said about the Super Bowl hangover, yeah, buddy. You just go back and look at the, over the years. You now, there's very few that have gone back and had been in the playoffs the next year. It just a small percentage. So there is that hangover, especially yeah. if, if it's a new – if they were in it, you know, hadn't been in it for a while, like 49ers, and it's a new staff and new players, and you lose it. Yep. You know, it's not yep. like he'd been, yep. at, been in it the year before, two years before or whatever. So that's a problem. That's a big problem. All right, my friend. That's it. Time goes fast talking football and everything else in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Until next week, we will uh, we'll get together. You be safe down there. Thanks, Ron. You too. Stay in your okay. room. Yeah, I will. I won't have a choice, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure and join us next Tuesday as we take a look at the top NFL quarterbacks in the upcoming season. Just remember, we're just two old pros 
trying to make you think a little. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.